This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Anthony and I both love these guys and are super proud to include them as a sponsor on the show this week. When Anthony and I visited all 30 ballparks, the SeatGeek app helped save us a ton of money and time. SeatGeek is basically a ticket aggregator that lists all the tickets on the secondary market and ranks them based on value. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. I can't tell you how many times I've ended up spending less money for a better seat because of this app. And the beauty is the price that you see on the app is the final price. So all the nonsense ticket fees that some of these, uh, I won't mention their names, but some of these sites like to tack on there before you check out. SeatGeek shows you the final price before you hit checkout. Uh, It's probably the most used app on my phone behind MLB at bat. I just, I really genuinely love these guys. I pretty much don't buy tickets from any other source these days. So if you guys want to support the show, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code clubhouse, and SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first purchase. This is going to save you guys money and it's going to help keep this show free. So thank you SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. On to this week's episode. This week on the Clubhouse, we continue our stadium series with one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country, AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every single team, and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews I did with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile journey across this country to watch a ball game in all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for you for our more regular episodes that we will be dropping every couple of weeks or so. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes so that you never miss one of our surprise guests. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Blue Jays win it! Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Welcome to the show, everyone. It is a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Jane, and sitting next to me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. Good morning, because we were recording this in the morning, <laughs> you see. A little morning record here on the West Coast, so please forgive us if our voices are a bit uh, gravelly this morning. You know, uh, Lauren Bacall called. No, the people won't know who she is. <laughs> Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. All right, you're going to finish your thought or you're just going to drop her name? That's it. All right, so just Google Lauren Bacall and and find out all about her. Uh, No, her voice. I'm talking about her voice. She she had like that really deep husky voice. Sure, sure, sure. So when I have have morning voice like this, although it usually, I imagine it's deeper and huskier than it is. I don't know. I think of Lauren Bacall. (laughs) That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Well, uh, on today's very special episode, uh, it's uh, we are continuing our stadium series. I hope you guys have been enjoying the guests that we've been kind of sprinkling in over the last couple of months here. But uh, our stadium series continues as Anthony is on the road. And today we are going to be discussing 
AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, the dynasty of the 2010s, the 2010s, whatever this decade is called, yeah. the, the current de- decade in baseball. Yes. Uh, but I went, I went, I went uh, 10 years ago before they were this dynasty. It was 2005 while I was shooting Rent, the film in San Francisco. And Chris Columbus, um, who we we're hoping to eventually get on the show if we can coordinate you know, time and place, um, is a huge Giants fan and he's a season ticket holder. And while we were shooting, um, I was talking to him about, you know, I would love to go to the park. And he was like, here, take my ticket. So I sat in his really fantastic field level seats along the first baseline which as you know are my favorite seats um and it was a you know a beautiful day oh that pitcher what was the name of the pitcher he was um pretty successful for a while he had like the weird chin beard he was a giants pitcher um this is 10 years jason i want to say jason oh boy anyway um he lost the game it was a tight game lost the game um but it was i think the score was like three two or something like that but um it was a very very nice park. I think it's I think it's definitely one of the nicer parks of the of the modern. Now, did you era. go? I, you may not remember this, but did you go during the day during day. the night? It was, no, I it was a day it was game. A day game. Okay, Dude, I might not remember this. <laughs> what do you take me for? It was absolutely a day game. Um, so yeah, I didn't have to suffer the chill winds of San Francisco Bay, which you know, having just been there again performing. Uh, that there's a damp chill there that's different from the East Coast chill. I don't know what it is. It was. It's like it gets in your bones. Yeah. Um. And in a different way than like winter. It's because it's deceptive. You think it's it is not well because also because be you're all, you're in yeah. California and yeah. so you're thinking, hey, it's gonna be nice and warm and sunny. I mean, uh, our our uh, trip out here uh, to Los Angeles has been a little bit. Uh, I mean, we're we're in Southern California. This yeah. is supposed to be beautiful, sunny it's Southern California. It's been colder here than it has been in New York lately, which yeah. is crazy. Which is anyway, not now you know when we're recording this. But um, <laughs> uh, I the you know my only complaint you know, as I tend to complain about these stupid bells and whistles, is that stupid Coca-Cola slide. <laughs> Why? So, Why do you hate the Coca-Cola slide? It's just an eyesore. You think and so? It has nothing to do with baseball. But the kids love it. I'm fine for the kids. Then put it somewhere where it's not on the field. See, I don't know. I think visually it's pretty it's spectacular. Ugly, okay. Terrible. What about the giant glove? I don't remember seeing that. Really? I don't remember seeing it. I didn't, well, I mean, go, you... I didn't walk around the outfit. Do you remember when I was going to these ballparks without you i would just you know go to my seat and then look from there and right. you know take it in but i didn't do the whole like walk around the whole grounds and the whole well so everything. now i mean right next to the the giant uh uh coke bottle slide which i Ooh. i i don't Ooh. have a, if i didn't have a bad back i was gonna go slide oh, down it myself but, it, but if i didn't have a bad back <laughs> i'd slide down that coca-cola slide i know i'm an old man but i i <laughs> i don't know i loved it i thought it was i thought that that uh, but you're a carny. We've talked about this. You I don't mind bells and whistles. I mind bells and whistles. All right. I like it's like if I'm in a theater, I don't want stupid weird things. I want it to be beautiful. Okay, fine. But the and, glove is know. the glove is very. It's baseball and it's a giant. So you don't remember, don't remember seeing, seeing, seeing it. But I will say for the, so there are uh, for the fans who have not been to ooh hit the mic there. I got so excited. Yeah, you're very professional I'm right now. Very animated. It's early. Leave me alone. Uh, and so, but it it. When I went to AT&T Park for the first time, which you will hear my thoughts uh, on the rounding third uh, section of this podcast coming up soon here, but I um, 
I wasn't sure I was going to like the Coke bottle because in theory, I didn't like the Coke bottle. Before I actually, I didn't know that it was a slide. I just thought it was a giant Coke bottle. And so part of me was like, eh, that's kind of obnoxious just because when it comes to in-park advertising, I get why you need to do it. And I have no problem with in-park advertising, but I would prefer it to have at least something to do with the ballpark. And I wasn't entirely, like Coke in Atlanta, I have no problem with. Just because Coca-Cola and is such a is so ingrained in the Atlanta um, culture. Sure. I mean, much like you know, like so Ford in Detroit or Wrigley in Chicago or whatever. If there is a a corporation or a company that is synonymous with a city, I actually don't mind having that wrapped up in the local uh, uh, ballparks. Uh, but yeah, the Coca-Cola in San Francisco, I wasn't entirely uh, sure. I know they have the. I always. Uh, just just mangle the name the Ghirardelli the G the the chocolate I, I don't know if it's Ghirardelli I think it's Ghirardelli Ghirardelli it's GH so I yeah I know so I, I, did, I never knew what it was exactly but, but. that chocolate uh, and that's based out of San Francisco isn't yes. it yeah so like that they've got the trolley out there um, I'm not sure if it was there when you were there I don't remember but there was a there's a trolley uh, in right field I think right center field somewhere around there don't remember that um, is kind of that. Uh, a truck, I get a trolley that, that, so it's a trolley, which is San Francisco, and it is uh, the chocolate that is there. So stuff like that, I really like because it does uh, embrace the culture of sure. the local city. I did fall in love with the with the Coke bottle when I found out it was a slide because I am a carny and I thought that was just awesome. Uh, and the glove is great because it's a just ginormous baseball glove in you know left center field, and so it is kind of just like is it symbolic of any particular player? No, it is actually, and I'm not sure if you'll hear it on my Rounding Third episode of this, but there's a a lawyer in the front office of uh, the San Francisco Giants. It's his father's mitt. Oh, uh, it's it's basically uh, he had the mitt in his office. They were when the, I went on my the tour. The giant mitt. <laughs> no, the <laughs> the, the, the mitt that they were his, they based it off of. His but, dad played with this forty foot high mitt. He <laughs> never missed a ball. They have those. I don't know if you've seen it. That but if, every once in a while, some of these guys in the in the uh, outfield will have these giant, comically large mitts to catch foul balls with and whatnot. Have you seen that yet? No, I'm it, not sure. I've seen they it. pop up in highlights every once in a while. You're but, talking about like uh, ball hawks. Yeah, ball. Hawks. Hawks, yeah, um, but it's I have no problem with it. I love it. I think San Francisco had it. Had, if it was ten degrees warmer, I think it would probably be my favorite ballpark in the country. It is just spectacularly gorgeous right there on McCovey Cove, um, and I'm not sure. Once again, I doubt this was happening when you were there in 2005. But now they are the the. You will appreciate this. They have one, and I, I I mentioned them running third podcast, so I apologize if I'm going to get the name wrong here. But it's something about being the the greenest ballpark. I love that. In uh, like they they the first ones who started composting, they yeah. have green gloves in their uh, um food in, prep food prep. No 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 no. I mean they've like how you're awarded the gold glove, the platinum oh, glove. They it. were awarded the green glove for being the greenest stadium uh, in the country. Good. So they do a wonderful job uh, with that. They also have there it is. Steve Perry. Yes. Running down and singing, and singing along with his own voice. How cool is that? I love seeing how excited he gets to hear himself. But then the security's like, go back to your seats. Or he's like, dude, that's me singing. Let me sing with myself. Uh, uh, what about the food? Uh, do you remember, remember the food? No, no, I don't think I had anything. So I had a $15 sourdough bread crab cake sandwich that was D. Delicious and worth every last penny because they just dolloped. I mean, like ice cream scoop, just massive scoops of crab meat on that wonderful, wonderful sourdough bread. 
And uh, the food there was actually really spectacular. My one complaint, which is more of a complaint about San Francisco more than the ballpark, parking was $35. Use public transportation, my friend. I understand that, but where I was staying, public transportation, when I was there, where I was staying, public transportation was not going to be an option. I was Which staying... is a weird thing about that city. Yeah. That's another issue. Yeah. But there was, where we were staying, what, what, for whatever reason, there was a, I don't know why, because it's not like exactly the same part of town, but that particular trolley, or not trolley, streetcar really, yeah. went directly from my neighborhood right to the park. It was one of the rare That's times. That's awesome. One of the rare times when, when that worked out. That's that nice. So... All right, so you went 10 years ago. Yep. And you liked it. Yeah. You know, oh, pretty up, much, yeah. So where would you rank it in in uh Well, I feel like I uh, I need to go again to get a full ranking just cuz sure. I've more fully experienced the more recent Sure. Steady eye. <laughs> um so but it's definitely in the top tier, I think of the National League New York parks. Yeah. 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 It's just that eyesore will never let it be. Had you ever full. been to Candlestick? Had I ever? No, mm -hmm. never been to Candles. Never. Had yeah, neither have I. I. I wish I'd been there. I'd, I'd heard nothing but but interesting things yeah. about watching a game there with the wind, with the cold, yeah. with yeah. with all that. I think it would have been a fascinating experience. But yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, any other thoughts on AT and T? You know, I'm. We're coming up on an even year, so <laughs> I guess it's going to be another Giants World Series victory. Yeah, we've had. Yeah, the Giants. Are, I mean, we've 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 had a couple of Giants. We had Joan Walsh, and um, by the time this comes out, I'm relatively certain our our episode with Greg will will have come out. So the uh, the wonderfully fantastic comic Greg Proops, uh, who really waxed poetic and taught us a lot about uh, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, yeah, that dynasty is just utterly fascinating. It's going to be books will be written on them and I cannot wait to see, you know, how they were able to go from basically worst to first to worst to first to worst to first. I mean, it's just it's the it's really fantastic. Yep. Um and I say that as the the a, a fan of the team who is as of now sandwiched in between, you know, uh, the Tigers gave them their second series in their series of 3, but I still, you know, it's I don't hate them. I, it was, you know, when I went, to, I think you're going to hear it in the rounding third podcast uh, section here that their front office, I went in 2013. And so it was the year after the Giants defeated uh, my Tigers in the World Series. And they uh, they were definitely showing off their jewelry to me as I was walking off very, yeah. very subtly showing how blingy their their rings were that all had four to nothing uh, on the side of it to show. Yeah. Not only did they beat us, they swept us. Yes. But they couldn't have been sweeter. And and the Giants uh, uh, players, it's ridiculous how how Kane is great and Posey is great and, and Bumgardner and, and, I mean, it's just 100 pence. They just have a wonderful, wonderful team. Seems like it. So and they got Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, the best. We can we can we both kind of do Bruce Bochy yeah. today because we got we got yeah. the little boys. <laughs> well, but all right, so we're gonna wrap this uh, episode of, of the Clubhouse podcast up. But uh, I think you guys really need to stick around for the Clubhouse or for the rounding third section of this because I am really proud of the interview I did with a woman named Barbara and her daughter Adela, who we've actually brought up on the podcast several times before. Anthony, you met Barbara yes, and Adela. I sure did in Cooperstown. I sure did. Uh, we had lunch with them there. They are two of, I, I mean, the absolute coolest people on the planet. And Barbara, uh, you know, you'll hear the story on Rounding Third Podcast of how we met, but it's the most crazy, random, serendipitous, just baseball story of how we ran into each other and became friends and come to find out that she was integral 
in helping the Giants remain in San Francisco when they were going to move to Tampa Bay back in the early 90s. And um, just hearing stories of of how her and uh, her, her daughter have bonded over baseball is brings a tear to my eye every time I hear it. So uh, thank you so much, Anthony. And uh, thank you. Thank you guys for listening so much. And we will see you next time here in the clubhouse. We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion, so please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special, or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with former Detroit Tigers pitcher Pat Ahern. He tells us about the life of a baseball player looking for a college to call home. Andy Lopez and his assistant coach, Bill Springman, came to my house, sat with my mom and I, and they said, we're going to go win a national title, and we think you can help us out. <laughs> so they also slid a piece of paper over with a nice scholarship offer, yeah, too, that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And the parents and I, are probably happy with I, that one. I, I always joke around with my mom because she did not have a poker face for that <laughs> one. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the San Francisco Giants and AT&T Park. I am so giddy with excitement right now to share this podcast with you that <laughs> in the interest of full disclosure, I will be completely honest with you. I have stopped and started this little opening bit and re-recorded it maybe five or six times, and I may have to do it again, actually, because I don't know how I'm going to introduce the interview that I did with these two unbelievable women in San Francisco. Before I get to that, though, I do want to do my normal bit of rambling nonsense up top, explaining a little bit about AT&T Park, the history of it, and where the Giants played before moving to this absolutely stunning ballpark. But after that, I'm telling you, you guys have got to stick around because the interview that I did with, with, with these two ladies is most likely, I don't know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people in my life and I think this might be my favorite interview I've ever done. But before we get to that fun stuff, I just want to give you a couple of minutes of history about professional baseball in San Francisco. Now, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, we know the history. 1958, the New York Giants moved over to the West Coast, became the San Francisco Giants. That's it. Moving along now, buddy. We all know the story. But no, guy I just made up in my head, you're wrong. Professional baseball existed in San Francisco all the way back in 1903. That's right. The first professional ball club in the city by the bay were the San Francisco Seals, a minor league club that was one of the original members of the Pacific Coast League. If it wasn't for those lovely seals and their stadium seating about 22, 23,000 people, the San Francisco Giants would have had nowhere to play in 1958 because Candlestick Park wasn't actually built until 1960. So for their first two seasons, the San Francisco Giants played their Major League Baseball games inside of a minor league park, Seal Stadium. 
obviously a park that only holds 22 or 23,000 people wasn't going to be enough to contain the fandom of the San Francisco Giants. So this led to a new ballpark being built, Candlestick, which sat about 42, 43,000 people in its earliest inception, and it grew to about 58,000 plus towards the end of its run. Now, those numbers are exclusively just for baseball season. Obviously, the San Francisco 49ers would later on call Candlestick home, and the seating capacities for football and baseball are a little bit different. The San Francisco 49ers moved into Candlestick in 1971, and after 28 years of sharing their home field with the local football team, the Giants decided it was time to build their own baseball-specific stadium. In the year 2000, they finally made the move to Pacific Bell Park, which then turned into SBC Park, before now finally landing on the name AT&T Park. I never got a chance to see a baseball game at Candlestick. This was my first game at AT&T, but I gotta tell you, I hope that they stay in this ballpark for the next 100 years. It is absolutely spectacular. They split the difference between the seating capacity between Seal Stadium and a candlestick, resting around 42,000, which I think is the perfect number for a baseball stadium. I think any more than that, and the sound gets lost. And any smaller than that, you just can't get the intensity. I think 42,000 is a good number. Where it's located directly on the bay gives you some of the most spectacular views in the entire country. In the previous episode, I talked a little bit about the San Diego Padres and the peaceful and serene atmosphere they have built over at Petco Park. By building a beach in the outfield, they've really created this kind of relaxing atmosphere that you can catch a ball game at. Here in San Francisco, there may not be a beach, but there's a lot of water where you can just sit back, watch a ball game, and bliss out. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I'm by the water, I just, my entire brain shuts down. I get so calm and relaxed and you put me inside of a ballpark and you surround me by water, you've pretty much found my utopia. I adore AT&T Park. Before I turned on the mic today, I really racked my brain trying to think about if there was anything about my time in San Francisco that I didn't like. Obviously, things were a little bit pricey. Parking was $35, which, wow, that's, that's a little bit unnecessary. But I understand. San Francisco is a big city, not a lot of spaces. I get it. The food's a little bit overpriced, but once again, you know, here I am talking about money. It's, that's the cost of doing business. You go to any sporting event these days, any theater, any club, wherever you're going to, everything costs more than it should. So really, those don't really matter. Other than that, if you are going to go catch a game at AT&T, I recommend bringing a light jacket, even if it's a day game, and layers if it's at night, because... Uh, from what I hear, it's better than it was a candlestick, but it's, you know, it gets windy and cold. But honestly, that's all I could think about. That's it. <laughs> oh, it's a little chilly and it's a little bit too expensive. If that's all you have to complain about, you've done a really good job of building a great baseball stadium, San Francisco. Not only is the field itself beautiful, the view is spectacular, the food is delectable. And there's so much cool stuff to do inside the park. I had no idea that the giant Coke bottle that sits out there in the outfield is actually a giant slide. Never in my life have I been more disappointed that I was no longer a child and did not have a massive, massive back problem because I desperately wanted to jump up on top of that slide and go down there. 
but I'm afraid I'm too old and too frail to do that anymore. In addition to that, they've got the giant glove in the outfield that you can get your picture with. They've got a live organist that isn't just hidden up there by the press box or in a luxury suite. He sits right there in center field, and you can watch him play live. It's actually pretty impressive. But honestly, that's enough of me going on and on about how much I love this ballpark. You just need to go there and experience it for yourself. It is a really good time watching the game in San Francisco. But I think that part of the reason why I had such a good time is because of the people that I went to the game with. Now, I'm going to introduce you to two people that are going to become your two favorite people as they become mine. I met Barbara and Adela, a awesome mother and daughter combination in Cooperstown, New York, before this tour even began. While the first game of my tour happened at City Field, a week earlier, I had taken a bit of a trip up to the Baseball Hall of Fame to kind of give myself a bit of a good luck charm and, and set my tour off right. As I was walking around the rooms, checking out the plaques and really just immersing myself in baseball history, I was approached by a woman who thought that I was a Giants fan. I was wearing my away Tigers hat, which has an orange logo. So from at a distance, she must have thought that it was a Giants logo. Well, after a couple of minutes of her giving me some playful ribbing about the Giants really taking my Tigers to the woodshed in the 2012 World Series, we just began talking about our respective love for the game. And Barbara introduced me to her daughter, Adela, and talked to me about how they go to games at AT&T all the time and how they were at Matt Cain's perfect game and just how the game of baseball has really bonded them as mother and daughter. Now, for those of you who have listened to previous podcasts, you will know my obsession of trying to get more women involved in the game of baseball. I'm going to be completely honest with you. This has not been a lifelong obsession of mine. It's something that I've thought of from time to time, and it was in my younger days something that I always wondered why more girls didn't enjoy baseball, but it didn't really become an obsession until I met Barbara and Adela. As I stood there in the plaque room of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Listening to this mother and daughter talk to me about why baseball matters to them and why baseball is something that has connected them their entire lives and will continue to connect them even when Adela goes off to college. It ignited something in me. It set something off in me. It actually frustrated me a little bit that this was a story that I had not heard very much. That in my entire lifetime of reading books about baseball or watching movies or even just talking to perfect strangers on the street, it is always fathers and sons. It is always fathers and grandfathers or great-grandfathers. Or It's such a male-dominated story, and I'm really getting sick of it. Hearing Barbara and Adela tell their story, it completely reinvigorated me, and it gave me a new purpose in life. And that purpose was to figure out how to get more ladies out to the ballpark. When we met at Cooperstown, Barbara, Adela, and myself were perfect strangers. Over the next couple of months, we traded emails back and forth. Barbara graciously invited me to come sit with her at the Giants game and Adela, which happened to be Adela's birthday, which was a very cool experience to share that moment with her. But afterwards, they both graciously sat down with me and allowed me to interview them for about 20, 25 minutes. In this interview, you're going to hear a lot of great memories of being a Giants fan. You're going to hear a lot of great mother and daughter bonding moments 
one thing that I want you to keep an ear out for is if you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants, you owe Barbara a giant thank you for playing an integral role in keeping these Giants in San Francisco. And if you don't know what I'm talking about by that, listen to the interview because this woman is incredible. When I met these two ladies in Cooperstown, I had this entire tour in front of me. I was nervous. I was scared. I had no idea if I was actually going to be able to have the energy to do it. Waking up in a new city every 48 hours, driving tens of thousands of miles pretty much by myself, it was a daunting task. But after sitting down with them in Cooperstown, I knew that I had to make it to San Francisco so I could actually interview them more properly and find out more about their lives. In my down moments on the road when I was feeling tired, when I was feeling exhausted, I kept San Francisco in my thoughts. I said, I'm going to make it to San Francisco because I want to sit down with Barbara and Adela and I want to hear all about their story. And I'm so glad I did because now I get to share with all of you. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Barbara and Adela. These two women have been an inspiration to me on this tour, and I can't wait for you all to get to know them like I did. I hope you enjoy my chat with Barbara and Adela. So I'm sitting here at the public house uh, right next to AT&T Park with two wonderful human beings, Barbara and Adela. These two actually are part of the reason why I've been having so much fun on this tour because I met them, they were my good luck charms at Cooperstown at the very beginning of my tour. A mother and daughter combination who've been coming to Giants games together for years and they really, really inspired me uh, and have kept me going in my darker moments on the road. So thank you guys so much for inviting me to uh, AT&T Park, inviting me to sit with you at the game and you guys actually invited me on the field today. You've given me the most unique, wonderful experience I've had thus far. So first, let me just say thank you so much and uh, welcome to the podcast. Our pleasure. Welcome to San Francisco and AT&T Park. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right. We got a lot to cover, but the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you are a mother and daughter, and that is something that, you know, it is so difficult for me to find mother and daughter that truly love the game of baseball as much as you do. And so just how did that get started? I mean, were, were, was your mother a fan of baseball or your father? How did you get started in baseball? I think pretty late in life, actually. I actually uh, lived in Boston, went to school in Boston for a few years and uh, never went inside Fenway Park. Amazing. So I became a baseball fan out in uh, San Francisco in uh, 1978. Oh, okay. Wow. Very nice. All right. And then, so was that something that you just came to on your own or or how, why, just because you moved here and you decided I got to be a Giants fan? Now I think the Giants were doing something exciting uh, mid-season in 1978, and I just came to a game, and I just remember Ed Helicki threw a, a shutout. He was a very tall pitcher. And I didn't know much about baseball at all, but I, I just went by myself, and I was sitting with some interesting people, and I just thought, that this is fun. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of it. You go to a ballpark, you sit with some interesting people, that's why people got to come out. You become a baseball fan for life. All right, so then now, you know, uh, well, actually, was, was that your first time ever at a baseball game? Actually, I'd gone when I was like 13. Somebody had brought me to a Dodger game, and we sat like in nosebleed seats. I barely remember it, and I did not know what was going on on the field. <laughs> okay, so so this was, and this was, was this Candlestick in 78? Candlestick, indeed, yes. 
Okay, so then now we'll fast forward a little bit and you had this lovely daughter here. Was this something that you decided, I need to get her into baseball right away or did you let her come to it on her own? She had no choice in the matter. One of her first baby pictures, you know, at a photo studio, J.C. Penney's, is her with like this big stuffed baseball and her birth announcement said she was going to be the starting shortstop for the Giants and all sorts. <laughs> she had no choice in the matter. <laughs> what do you feel about that? Is that something you're okay with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm basically alive because of baseball. Like, my parents met through baseball. What was, You can talk about. Well, she went and she was with a group called Baseball for Peace, I believe. And um, she actually went to Nicaragua, where my dad is from, and that's just a huge baseball country. And my dad, um, his dad is actually, like, the manager of the team in his town, and the like the announcer and he hosts some like radio shows and my dad actually played baseball and was thinking about being a baseball player over there and they she actually traveled with the baseball for peace group to Nicaragua I don't know everything about that but then they met um, through my grandpa and then ended up eventually having me. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. So tell me a little bit about what is this baseball for peace? Well, it was a group back, um, it's in the mid to late 80s, uh, was uh, after there was a revolution in Nicaragua, the, uh, and um, then the the revolutionary government took over, and of course the United States government was not a fan of the revolutionary government. So uh, this is a little political, but it's it's the truth. And so the U.S. government helped start what was called the Contra War. They financed the war against the people of Nicaragua. And uh, we went down, and we weren't allowed to travel. It was like Cuba. We weren't allowed, Americans weren't allowed to travel to Nicaragua. And somehow I hooked up with this Baseball for Peace group, and we traveled through Mexico, and went on a mission of peace and baseball to Nicaragua. That is awesome. That is very, very, oh, my goodness. I am so jealous. Well, you know, while we're on that, so you've had baseball kind of in your blood then for quite a while because you also, which I did not know, you are integral and a bit of a San Francisco celebrity. If it wasn't for you, and yes, I'm putting it exclusively on your shoulders, <laughs> if it wasn't for you, the San Francisco Giants would be the Tampa Ray or Tampa Bay Giants or whatever they would have been back in, was it 92? It was 92 when they... So in 92, that's when they were thinking about moving the team, and you were integral part of it. Actually, you know, I'll let you tell the stories. You need to tell me what you did to keep this team in San Francisco. Well, it actually started in the mid-80s again, and uh, it was pretty clear Candlestick wasn't a suitable uh, baseball park. And um, so the, with the uh, ownership at the time uh, started trying to get a, a new ballpark built in San Francisco. And there were a couple of ballot measures. One was in 1987, and it failed. And I got very involved at that point. And we got this beautiful ballpark. Actually, it was proposed for the location it is now with a similar design. In the 1989 um, ballot, three weeks before Election Day, there was a big earthquake during the World Series at Candlestick Park. And, of course, we didn't continue campaigning for a couple weeks. We actually, some of the campaign staff actually went and worked, uh, did some relief at, at the, uh, in the, the neighborhood that was hit, hit hardest by the earthquake. We did restart the campaign. The election happened. We lost by under 700 votes. Heartbreaking. So a couple years later, the ownership finally said, we're not going to get our ballpark, we're going to sell. 
And this is the owner who had kept the Giants from going to Toronto, I believe, in the 70s. So he did, you know, he stepped in to keep the Giants in San Francisco before. I have all kinds of respect for him, and I really do empathize with his position. But he wasn't going to sell our Giants and let them go to Florida. So I kind of, I with a couple other folks who I'd been active with in, in the prior campaigns, we started a grassroots effort to keep the Giants from going to Tampa. We had to get people excited in town and the Bay Area. And we also launched a postcard campaign uh, sending, uh, I think, uh, thousands and thousands of postcards to team owners and to the commissioner of Major League Baseball, encouraging them to vote no on the, on the sale because Major League Baseball has to approve any sale or move of a team. That is, that warms my heart. That is, that is such an awesome story. And, you know, that is just, that's the type of dedication that, you know, you really don't see in a lot of other sports. I, I you know, teams relocate all the time. And, you know, to see you guys come out there and, and really pound the pavement and fill out those postcards and send them and, you know, be able to have the faith. You know, we were talking a little bit about my city, about Detroit and kind of some of the frustrations that I've had with, with that city. But to be able to just, like to have the faith to know that, it's gonna happen and you gotta be able to just keep on talking that one person, that two people, that three people can make such a monumental difference. You know, like I said, you, I was being a little bit hyperbolic, but you did have a, a very massive part in this city keeping a, a baseball team. And if it wasn't for you and your group of friends there, 2010 and 2012 would not have happened for this squad. You know, this city would not have got the revenue that I'm sure the city got. You know, this this bar that we're sitting in probably wouldn't be existing. These people that work here wouldn't have jobs. You know, it's 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 quite amazing what you and your little band of uh, uh, just baseball-loving folks were able to pull off. And yes, and it, it actually, uh, uh, Jack Bear, the Giants actually talked about it today. There were really three efforts going. There was the grassroots fan effort, not just in San Francisco, but the Bay Area. And uh, there was the city that was, uh, the city and county of San Francisco was fighting to keep them. And then, of course, the money people. That was important, too. But the, uh, the money, I don't think the money would have come if it hadn't been for the, for the grassroots support of the fans. Well, that's it. I mean, the money people aren't going to come unless they know that they've got someone, you know, there's a fan base that's going to ultimately support them and bring the money back. So, and you mentioned Jack Bear. He is legal counsel uh, for uh, the San Francisco Giants. He very graciously uh, gave us some passes earlier and let us go on the field for bat batting practice. And uh, yeah, he was a very wonderful man. And actually, the story that I heard, which uh, we was confirmed, is that the big mitt in uh, uh, left center field there is actually modeled off of Jack Bear's father's mitt, which is uh, pretty cool, actually. So, so his father, you know, he's got a mitt that that's going to be standing for at least the rest of the time the AT&T Park is standing, which uh, that's that's a pretty cool thing. But uh, so now getting back a little bit to the mother-daughter uh, uh, creation here, because I really do find it unique, and, and I'm trying really hard to find more of this. What do you think it is about baseball that, for you two specifically, has kind of brought you together and given you something to talk about? What is it about just the experience coming to the ballpark or watching on TV? Why baseball versus anything else really in the world? Well, it's just something I love. It's something her father loved. Her first game was when she was three weeks old. Again, she didn't have a choice. <laughs> well, you know what, though? But there's a lot of kids, though, that if, if your parents are forcing something on you or saying you've got to do it, a lot of kids rebel. And, you know, it looks like you have really embraced it and, and become a, a huge fan in your own right. So, I mean, what was it about baseball that you really liked when you were a kid? Um... I don't know. I, I guess it, at first I didn't really understand every part of it, but it was just like a family experience. Like we would all go together 
and like cheer with each other and celebrate and getting to know the people like sitting around us was really fun. And usually I was the only kid there, but I don't know. I just still, I liked being around the adults and like having fun. Um, but then I guess when I was like five, I started playing t-ball and then later baseball and later softball. So I really started to understand the game and really made me appreciate it a lot more watching it. And um, yeah, it really helped me admire the, what the players were doing and like really see how awesome the game was. Well, you know, you said, you know, you start off with t-ball and, little, you know, and little league and that's what I had a lot of girls on my t-ball and little league team as well. And that always, even as a kid, I never fully got why do they have to now go and play their own thing? I, I've, always, I've always felt that if we let you know, girls play baseball, not, I mean, nothing against softball. Softball is a wonderful sport in its own right, but I kind of feel like softball should be its own separate thing. Softball and baseball, to me, have nothing to do with one another. It's like when people compare baseball and cricket. It's baseball and cricket over in India, you know, it's, it's not the same, they're completely different games. And I think that if, if we allowed more girls to continue to play baseball, like you said, it's, it's a hard game to understand unless you play it, I think. When you play it, you get the intricacies, you get, and also you get how much fun it is. It doesn't look as quote unquote boring as people think it does when you're actually playing. So, I mean, so did you, how long did you play softball for? Um, I think I played until like sophomore year of high school. So I played like some form of baseball almost my whole life, and um, yeah, I I mean it was softball is kind of different. Like people kind of think of it since it's like known to be a girl sport or like an old man sport kind of <laughs> that yeah. it's kind of easier. But it's like a totally different set of skills that you need. Like I was um, mainly third base, but I was also pitching for a while and like fast pitch softball is just like totally different muscle groups like it's nothing compared to like you can't really compare it to pitching for um for baseball or even slow pitch softball it's just it's very different but i don't know that's one of my favorite things is that you know it's that old horrible expression of you know he throws like a girl where you know what though Every man that I've seen try to throw a softball the way you know you're supposed to do it. It's it goes either way up in the air, right in the ground, to the right, to the left. I've never seen a grown man be able to legitimately throw. I, I'll admit I cannot throw a softball. That you're right. The mechanics of that are so just it's it's so hard to master that like I said it is just a completely different game. So I mean. Honestly, at this point, I'm not in any position to be able to get women to play baseball. But believe me, if one day I ever have any power, I'm going to be screaming it from the rooftops that women need to, we need women in baseball. It's, it's, it's important that we have women in baseball. Um, so as a mom, what does it feel like to be able to have this time? So this is, by the way, uh, your birthday, Adele's birthday today. So that's, that's a wonderful experience to, to spend your birthday at the park. But now she's getting a little bit older. She's in school now. So... You know, luckily she's still coming home for the summers, but in a couple of years she might not be doing that. She might be living far away. So, what does what does baseball kind of do to try to strengthen that bond? You know, why is is do you think that this is something you guys going to do for the rest of your life? Even if you know, God forbid, she's living a couple of hours away on the other on the other coast over there in New York. I think so. I mean, during the 2012 postseason, I was texting her play-by-play -play of the games because she was studying or couldn't. I don't know how easily you could watch the game while you were at college, but um, yeah, I think it'll. Uh, it, I think it's something we'll have in common for for years to come. I mean, 
we were together. The 2010 season was the most special for us because she was here, and we were together in the only clinching game that we uh, the Giants did at home that year, the division clinch. It was really exciting and wonderful, and we went to playoff and World Series games together. We also had a very special experience in 2012 before she went away to college. We happened to be here on the night that Mr. Matt Cain through his perfect game, so. And I want to hear that, but before we do that, I heard a bit of annoyance in your voice about the fact that you clinched only one game at home. I'm sorry, two World Series in three years. You are never allowed to be annoyed by that ever in your life, all right? That's ludicrous, although I will say, I was at for the 2006 American League Championship Series for the Detroit Tigers. I was sitting third baseline, and I watched the ball come off of Maglio Ordonez's bat, go into the left field seats to win the ALCS, and walk off into the World Series. So I'll say, clinching a game at home is kind of the coolest thing on the planet to do. That is a memory that I'm gonna take with me forever. But still, two World Series in three years, you are not allowed to be annoyed. <laughs> um, but so, all right, you both, I need to hear about your experiences about this Matt Cain perfect game, because I'm super jealous. I have never come close to seeing anything like that. So what was that? What was the energy like in that stadium? What were you two feeling? I mean, were you nervous? I, I feel like I would throw up. Like I would feel like that ninth inning would be crazy but uh let me hear it um well we were there by accident really it was kind of it felt like meant to be like to be there in the first place because i was actually going away to school like that summer and i was only there for a few more days and we just happened to we wanted to squeeze in a last game and this happened to be like the last game i think and um it was just really awesome the energy was amazing i was basically like freaking out the entire game. <laughs> like once I realized what was happening, I was like terrified. It was also kind of strange because like the normal people sit around us weren't there. It was just a strange game. So like no one was really there. There were a lot of people there that weren't really fans. And I remember like this one woman, she kept standing up and leaving, which first of all, I wouldn't do. Second of all, she kept saying, oh, we have a no-hitter going. We oh, have a perfect no. game going. No. And I was just like, oh, lady, shut up, please. <laughs> like, I was freaking out. And she just didn't understand what was happening at all. I think, like, half the people around us didn't even realize what was happening. But it was just, like, it was really special for us. It was, like, amazing. I was probably crying for, like, I don't even know how long after the game. And um, it was awesome. I, little, I just got chills. I just, that is, my, my body, little, I just got, that is absolutely, wait, and uh, what do you remember from that game, Barbara? I've cried twice over baseball in my life, and once was when we won the 2010 World Series, and the other time was at that perfect game, because it was like, Cliff was there, who sits in yeah. front of us, and, you know, he'd seen many more games than I have. I've seen a lot of games in my life, and I never saw a no-hitter. To see a perfect game pitched by our home team, by a wonderful, lovable player, uh, with my daughter at my side, it was like my. There, uh, where else can I go in baseball land? That's it. That's the the zenith of baseball fandom. So it was just awesome. Absolutely beautiful. All right, we're gonna wrap it up with this, so we can get back to this wonderful plate of nachos that's been taunting us this entire time. But. Uh, I just want to hear, and, and we're going to discount for the moment the perfect game because I believe that's probably the best experience you've ever had at a ballpark. And sorry, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be the best you know experience you're ever going to have for the rest of your life. I don't think you're ever going to top. Perfect game, mother, daughter, 
home team, going out to college. That's that like you said, it was meant to happen. That's that's just everything coming together. So if we discount that, so either you can tell me the earliest memory you have at a ballpark or just your favorite memory discounting, you know, the uh, the perfect game. So at here at uh, AT&T. Well, an outstanding memory is the last game at Candlestick Park. Okay. That was fun. We had started paying for our charter seats at AT&T Park and weren't sitting in our like better seats. We were sitting in this these old football bleachers that they tagged the family section. And so she was four and she'd go to every game with us and well we would we've got like twenty games a season. She'd run on up it was a great area. There was no smoking, no drinking, and kids could run around without getting yelled at. So it was just a fun it was nostalgic to say goodbye to Candlestick. Everybody loved to hate Candlestick, but I, I had a lot of good times there. And and it was her first baseball games or a candlestick. So I kinda think of that fondly. Nineteen ninety nine. Fan Appreciation Day, Candlestick Park. Do you remember uh, your early memories at Candlestick at all? I do remember hanging around Candlestick, but I don't remember like specific games. I was pretty young. Um, I do remember opening day at AT&T Park in 2000. Um, but I would say it's really hard to pinpoint like a game that I would call my favorite memory. I'd say like 2010 season, the playoffs were just amazing it was like the energy in the stadium i've never felt anything like like 2012 i went to some games but it wasn't the same i don't think it'll ever be the same because it was the first time in san francisco and you could just feel <laughs> the whole stadium i don't know I, it's kind of inexplicable but it's like i didn't really doubt for a moment that like i knew that we were the underdogs for a lot of it but i never really th thought we would lose i kind of just felt like we we would keep winning, even though it didn't make logical sense. <laughs> but um, I guess the clinch was awesome because I could—I was really there. I really understood. I was old enough to understand what was happening. I was following every single aspect of the game, so I think that was one of my best. Right, we're gonna end with this then. So, you know, one of the things that. I've been thinking about, you know, with this tour is the mother-daughter theme. And I know this is going to be a very difficult question to answer, but what do, you know, both of you, either one of you think either baseball could do or I could do or you could, and what do you think mothers and daughters need to do to come out? What do we need to do to get more moms and daughters to the ballpark, more women at the ballpark? What, what needs to happen? How, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I want to find out how to get more women here. You know, I think baseball has a lot of female fans. No, they absolutely do. More so than the other sports, I absolutely agree with you. But it's still a heavily male-dominated sport. And I'll see in the crowds, and I'll see a lot of women who come. And they're, and I love the fact that they're here, but they're either reading a book or they're knitting. And they're there for their son or they're there for their father or for their husband or whatnot. I don't really see them really. When I, when I talk to you two, you two are baseball nerds if you you know that's what you are which so am i where we you know there's a kinship here and i don't see a lot of baseball you know female baseball nerds and that's one thing that i'm really trying to look for here i don't have an answer um well just making the sport more open to women i guess like you were talking about before like softball versus baseball like women are kind of secluded and the baseball world and basically making them making it more open having even like letting little girls play little league longer in in the baseball league instead of having 
being forced to switch, which is what I had to do. Um, little things like that will keep girls interested and later women interested. Um, and just, I don't know, really educating them about the game can make it a lot more enjoyable than just... I mean, if you don't know what's happening, it's not an interesting game. And I'm sure lots of men bring their wives and don't tell them exactly what's happening, so they just think of it as another boring thing they have to sit through. But like, if you know what you're watching, it can be, it can turn into something cool. So that's that's unbelievably well put. I think you hit the nail right on the head. Thank you so much. You got. I'm telling you this, and I'm being 100% honest. I've been looking forward to talking to you two since Cooperstown. You know, I st I went to Cooperstown now at this point about a month and a half ago, and and I've been looking forward to talking to you guys. And this is. I, I really hope you know you enjoyed today's game, even though it was. Unfortunately, we did see our, our boy Matt Kane, you know, roughed up a little bit, and it was it was it was a tough game, but. It was a beautiful day at the ballpark. It's a day game, which is always nice. And, you know, we were able to spend some time together. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. And, uh, yeah, is there anything like, else you'd like to say about just the city or about what the stadium means to, to San Francisco? Well, we used to say when we were fighting to build a ballpark and when we were fighting to keep the Giants from leaving for Florida um, that it's uh, baseball is is – kind of the sport where people of all, it's, it's a place where a, a diverse group of people come together. I mean, I could sit next to someone at a baseball game and, and never bump into them in my life. And we have something in common. So, and I think the Giants do make an effort to make sure that some, you know, kids from, from families without a lot of money get to see ball games. So they, they help, because ticket prices are pretty high these days in Major League Baseball, but there are ways. And so I just think it's just a microcosm of a beautiful, diverse society, getting together and rooting for the home team together. It's good for the city economically and, and spiritually. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And there you have it, my chat with Barbara Nadella. If you didn't fall in love with both of those women, I don't know what to tell you because those are the types of baseball fans that I love to meet. In a previous podcast, I mentioned that one of the big reasons that I decided to do this 30 Stadiums in One Season tour was to give myself a chance to reconnect with friends that I would lost touch with that live all across the country. What I did not anticipate, however, was meeting so many great new people and inviting so many amazing new people into my life. And Barbara has shot right to the top of that list. Since conducting this interview, Barbara and I have kept in touch through email, and I know that anytime I head back to San Francisco, her and I are going to catch as many Giants games as possible together. I've made a new friend for life in Barbara and Adela, and it's all thanks to the 30 Stadium Tour. That's going to bring us to the end of another episode of the Rounding Third Podcast. I want to give a big thank you to the San Francisco Giants organization and Jack and Susan from their front office for inviting me onto the field and answering some of the questions and just being all around cool people. I got to see Jack's World Series ring, which, yes, in the moment, it definitely broke my heart because of who exactly they beat to earn that ring. But it's always a cool experience to be able to look at an authentic World Series ring in person. My next trip is a short one. I just got to make a quick hop across the bay to check out the Oakland Athletics. So I hope you'll make the trip with me and join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. 
Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Burgino's in person, please visit Burgino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.